Hi, and welcome to the Music Box Podcast, otherwise known as what we hope to be caught on as MBP, where we talk about all things Music Box, that is, the Music Box Theater in Chicago, Illinois. Every week we will tell you a little bit about the upcoming films and events you don't want to miss here at the Music Box, as well as some advance notice of far-off events and rentals, special events, things... uh, you know, we do here at the box. We'll spend some time on some inner workings of the theater, maybe a little trivia, and of course, uh, whatever else is on our minds about film or Chicago. So let's take a minute and introduce ourselves. Hi, I'm Julian, the technical director here at the Music Box, and also the comic relief. <laughs> Thank you, Julian. Uh, Buck? Hi, I'm Buck Lepard. I'm the uh, operations manager here at the theater. Uh, and now I'm going to throw it back to our host who did not introduce himself at the top of this. Why do I have to introduce myself at the top of it? I can I can share the love and everything else. Uh, so I'm Ryan, and I am the general manager of uh, this uh, establishment and also your host uh, for the Music Box podcast, otherwise known as MBP, that I'm hoping will catch on. Uh, uh, if you don't know... Yes, this is our very first podcast that we're putting out to the world. So uh, we are figuring it out, and hopefully uh, you're figuring us out at the same time as we uh, put it all together. Um, Some of the things that are worth talking about here are the movies we play, of course. So uh, something that's currently playing and will continue to play through April 19th is this Steven Spielberg uh, blockbuster called Ready Player One. Why are we playing it? Well, you know, it's on 70 millimeter, and uh, I think uh, that's a pretty cool format. How about you, Julian? Oh, I think it's great. It's uh, one of the reasons I'm here, I guess. And, um, you know, this is an unusual movie for us to play. It's a multi million dollar, maybe not quite blockbuster, uh, and it's on, you know, three or four thousand screens. Uh, and we're we're one of them, which is a little unusual because it's playing a lot of AMC's and uh, re- Regals and things like we that. We usually skew a little bit more independent fare. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, the film is being printed on 70 millimeter. Warner Brothers made a handful of prints, and uh, we decided to sort of take not quite a gamble, but. Uh, we did something we normally wouldn't and played a major Hollywood movie, um, mainly because we were interested in playing it on 70 uh, and seeing how it would do and look and how people would react to it. Um, and as far as from the from the technical side, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting because it's 70 or 80% CGI and animation, um, but it looks, it's, it's, it's a sort of gooey, lugubrious movie and it, it's, dripping with color and uh, is very uh, luxurious with color, I guess. Um, and it, it looks pretty cool. Um, it sounds pretty good, too. It sounds pretty good. We're playing it pretty loud. Um, I, would, I would venture to say it's uh, one of the, the best-sounding auditoriums in, in the city and beyond. Oh, knock the cable there. Yeah, um, had, we're not going to take it stuck in my head for about two weeks oh now. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, uh, come on. There's mm. other good songs in there. There is. It yeah. starts with Jump. And yeah, I do. I'm a big fan <laughs> of Jump. I think I think that's a great, great song. They did. Honestly, though, I, I was a little surprised. They went uh, relatively light on the 80s soundtrack. Like, there's definitely a few, you know, needle drops and cues in there, but not not any more than, you know... There's like three or four well-placed 80s songs. Did you uh, did, so you watch the whole thing, Buck? Yeah, 
What'd you think? I enjoyed it. Um, it's a you know it's a Spielberg movie, so he knows how to make a make a big goofy blockbuster. And uh, you know, I since seeing it, you know, one of the perks of working here is I've been able to peek in on a few of you know like oh I want to see this this action sequence again, and you know during some downtime be able to sit down and rewatch that or go back and catch some references I might have missed before. But uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a fun fun movie to run as a projectionist. There's, you know, it keep, keeps you on your toes. Well, yeah, I, I watched it too. We had a, a nice little uh, staff screening before the film opened, and um, I was very entertained with it. Of course, at the very end, I had some issues, and, you know, I was talking to somebody, and they were like, you realize this is based off of a young adult novel, so mm-hmm. some of the things you're talking about is coming from the source material, and it's also Spielberg, yeah. so you put those two things together, and you, I think you know what you're going to get. Um, and so I think I was talked back to, you know, sort of something where I was very much enjoying the film. I mean, I did really enjoy the film. It was quite entertaining. Um, but, uh, you know, the other thing that people, when they come see it at the music box, uh, 70 millimeter is, of course, very unique. And there's not a lot of uh, screens across the country playing it on 70. But when you come to the music box, you'll notice a little something different. We put up this, uh, this massive big screen. And since Julian, you're the technical director, why the heck do we put this screen up? Well, it's, it's sort of silly that we do it. But um, when Hateful Eight came out a few years ago, uh, that was in an extremely unusual aspect ratio, uh, Ultra Panavision, which is... Two seven six to one, so basically the the widest format yet conceived, and hopefully they don't go any wider than that because that would be silly. Um, and our our theater was designed in 1929 when the standard aspect ratio was one three three or one three seven to one. Which aspect is, ratio basically translating to the size of the image being projected on the screen. Exactly. Um, and so our our auditorium is built for more square movies, uh, not square in content, of course. We showed very hip films yes, here. We're, uh, you know, we're wise. We push the envelope a little bit. Um, anyway, uh, this film was very wide. Our regular screen was more rectangular, and um, we had some competition in the area and decided that we felt uh, Hateful Eight was going to make a fair amount of money, hopefully. And uh, we decided to go all out and put an enormous screen in front of the proscenium, um, which is something that was done uh, in the early days of CinemaScope and widescreen in the 50s. A lot of older theaters would put a temporary screen up, and sometimes that would last a long time, and other times it came down. Um, But now we've sort of fine-tuned a system where when we have a big 70-millimeter run or festival... Uh, or something we think warrants a bigger screen. Uh, we put up a, a temporary screen uh, that was custom built to this this space, uh, and and built so that it's somewhat easy to put up and down. It still takes about a day, um, but it's a, it's a it's a cool way to you know make a film feel very immersive, for lack of a better word, but overwhelming. Um, yeah. 
But I mean, those those words are in our in, in lexicon right now because I mean, you know, you go to the IMAX and you go to like the RPX screens, yeah. and it's like, oh, this is immersive, yeah. and these are the things yeah. that uh, that people are looking for. Yeah. We're, we're we're trying to heighten the experience. We're not going to put so... in uh, what is it, D box, Rumble box? Oh, you don't want to yeah. put in those seats no, that no. Uh, spray water in your face and yeah, make that's, weird smells that's and right. like uh, electrocute you when you're watching some stupid horror movie. There's enough weird smells in the world without it. <laughs> without manufacturing that. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I think collectively we could come up with the new level of weird smells to give our audience. But uh, maybe we shouldn't do that. Um, well, anyway, we, we are showing Ready Player One through April 19th, so you have some more time to catch it on the big screen. Uh, also, the big screen will go away on April 19th, and all of the things you remember about the music box with the stage and the proscenium will return um, because and we've got curtain, a big weekend. Yeah. Don't forget the curtain. Yeah, putting that, putting How could I forget our curtain? What kind yeah. of curtain is it? Like, what is the technical term uh, for that it's curtain? It's a waterfall curtain. It's a waterfall yeah. curtain. Yeah. Um, yeah, putting that screen up is, is a trade-off because we have, you know, things we like about the curtain and lighting and all that sort of stuff. Um, and when you put a big screen in front of that, it all goes away and you have have to find a balance. And um, the, But what, what, what we do now is working pretty well. Um, we're accommodating a lot of needs. Yeah, so the other thing that we've got going on right now is uh, we're playing this uh, Hungarian film called 1945. It's uh, just after World War II, and it's about um, some people who, uh, some Jewish folks who have survived the Holocaust returning home and dealing with um, what's going on in their hometowns. Um, it's it's a striking film. It really has resonated with our audiences, um, and we were very lucky to have the filmmaker here for, uh, I'm going to, butcher his name i am sorry world that i'm gonna do this but his i think his name is how you pronounce it is frank toruk uh great hungarian director been around for a while uh, uh if you want to look up his filmography it's it's great um and we had such a huge response uh with the audiences and with his presence and the word of mouth has been great that we're going to extend it through april 19th uh, for those who don't know sometimes you know we take these uh smaller art house films which a lot of them are smaller compared to <laughs> ready player one and we we say to the you know one week only you know because we might not see that it's got to play more than a week but at least we want to show it to our audiences and then there's just this you know uh massive response and so we extend it uh into the next week so it's only going to have one showtime a day going past uh this friday into april 19th uh but we're very happy to keep showing it and um and he was a wonderful filmmaker to have in the house and for everybody who came out cool and for everybody who did not uh come come check this out we're still playing it um the other thing that we had this last weekend was uh because of the Ready Player One and being uh, taking over our large screen and also being two hours and 20 minutes long, uh, we had to move our midnight show of Basket Case into theater too. And people love Basket Case. I mean, that is a wild troll of a film, uh, as we were talking about at a different meeting today. Um, and so we're going to continue that into next weekend. So if, if any listeners are out there who were turned away and didn't get to see Basket Case this weekend, sorry about that. But guess what? It's coming back next weekend. Um, so you can catch, you can check it out. Basket Case is a uh, it's a horror film from the 1980s. This is a new 4K restoration of it. So. Uh, you get a lot more crystal clarity of this very goofy, bizarro horror flick. Yeah, very indie horror flick, too. Uh, but the restoration did an amazing job. Um, bizarro is the right world for that, because 
<laughs> you have to suspend your belief or have a few drinks if if you partake uh, before walking into this one, but it is a lot of fun. Uh, let's talk about some of the, the upcoming shows that we've got coming here to the Music Box. Um, we, of course, we talked about it Ready Player One. We're holding that, and we're holding 1945, bringing back Basket Case. But new, uh, we are opening a French drama by the name of Back to Burgundy. And as we sit here in the lounge, we sit under this crazy poster that's beautiful and very well lit. Uh, it's Ida. Um, and Ida was uh, distributed by Music Box Films. So if people don't know, Music Box Films is part of Music Box Theater, so... Uh, umbrella corporation uh, that releases movies and has this old cool art house and we show a lot of foreign dramas or music box films releases that so at some point here we should probably have one of the founders of music box films jump on our podcast so maybe next next week or some week after that and they can give us the backstory but in the meantime we get a music box films release it back to burgundy which is, I just watched it actually last night. Um, I don't, uh, none of us, us three here book the theatrical films. We all partake in the special events and matinee programs, but from the theatrical films, uh, a guy named Brian Andriotti books those, who also works for Music Box Films, and uh, he booked this one for us to open, and it's a, it's a beautiful story set in Burgundy, France, of a family who comes together because the father, who is the owner of the, uh, of the, wine, uh, the vineyard, uh, passes away, and they have to figure out what to do with the estate, and by doing that, of course, they come back together as a... Uh, siblings and learning about uh, what they've been doing for the last couple of years and uh, how to run this vineyard and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I watched it last night. Honestly, if you've never been to France or Burgundy or if maybe you want to go back, it's a beautiful travelogue in, in the way it's shot. And if you know anything about my wine, I'm a casual wine drinker. I really only care about red wines. Um, it taught me a lot, and I was very curious to learn about all of those things. So I would recommend the film to any of our art housers who come to the music box and, and, want, and love French cinema or love wine or love those sort of travelogues where you can kind of explore a new land or area. Um, and then, you know, because we're the music box and we're always bored with just showing movies, we decided to do something interesting on top of it. It's not a massive screen, a la Julian's uh, creation for Ready Player One, uh, but it is a little event in our lounge. And I mean, yeah, Buck, we're going to have working a, on uh, that. Yeah, we're going to, um, in conjunction with Music Box Film, and uh, Dublon Vineyards, a Michigan winery. We're going to have a, uh, on 7 o'clock on Friday, opening night of Back to Burgundy. After the film, we're going to have a tasting in the lounge. So uh, it's, you know, it's a, it's a nice uh, evening out at the movie theater. It's sort of, you know, when you, you like if you're ever watching, you know, those cooking shows on TV. And uh, I, I can't do it because I just get frustrated by like I'd rather be I'd rather be eating <laughs> this myself, you know. It's one of my favorite pictures. I'd rather be eating. I'd rather be eating. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you're watching a movie about wine, you're probably gonna you know want to try some wine afterwards. And so we're gonna have a, a tasting hosted in the lounge after the screening um, with our very no knowledgeable bartenders and uh, some representatives from Dublon Vineyards. And they've got uh, got some good things planned for you. And I, and I should mention, in case you've never uh, tra ventured uh, left from our box office, that opening in the wall is the Music Box Lounge and Garden. And that is where the, the tasting will be happening. And it's also a great place to hang out, which is exactly where we are recording this podcast, next to it, a bunch of board games that some of us like and some of us and do I, not. And I was here hanging out last Wednesday, even. I... I 
sat down and did some work, and I was I was here until midnight, and I <laughs> had a blast. I ordered some food. Uh, the, 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 it's just a wonderful environment. Well, you, then we you had karaoke working. on uh, Thursday here. That was a, a newer thing. We're trying, the karaoke. Uh, on. Yeah, oh, did, karaoke! Didn't, didn't I was, you sing? I was not. I was not here for karaoke. Uh, but I would have been. If you, I was taking a little here. weekend trip, and I had yeah. to do laundry. If you hadn't been here until the night, until midnight the night before working, yeah. you might have been uh, had the energy to show up for karaoke. Yes, I'm sorry. I had private like, karaoke <laughs> in the shower at home <laughs> that uh, evening. I can't say whether the acoustics are better uh, here or there, uh, but uh, it is fun uh, in a bar atmosphere, especially when we turn this lounge into a little bit of karaoke. Um, yeah, the, the lounge is a, a mixture of a place where, you know, you could do work, you can, uh, you know, record a podcast, you can play a board game. Uh, I'm looking at some interesting mix of board games here, like Cards Against Humanity uh, and Blockus. Um and as well as, uh, you know, we don't really think you should just come here to get completely drunk, but, you know, well, sometimes it's a, nice place. a day comes along where that's, that's what is needed. <laughs> <laughs> well, like we, a Monday when a Cubs opener game has gotten canceled and you find yourself with four hours free um, due to snow. And just okay, on. we also have this weekend Ichi the Killer. Uh, the wild, uh, unhinged uh, Takashi Miyake film. It is only at midnight, of course. Um, it is in our big screen tonight, this the, this weekend, so please come on out. There, there's no chance of selling out. Um, and uh, remember the really absurd, uh, violent uh, world that Takashi created for us. And this uh, is another uh, 4K restoration. You are correct. It is. And uh, I think people are going to enjoy seeing it again, uh, or maybe for the first time. Um, I do like to talk about uh, things that are coming up that we just announced or just put tickets on sale for. I like to call this advance notice. Um, so that just uh, means if you haven't, our new film calendar is out in the world. It is 10 weeks long. Um, it's all around town. And if you are a Music Box member, you should have it in your mailbox. Um, and if you're wondering about this this uh, event called Valley of the Dolls with the author Bill Janikowski, it is about the Patty Duke memoir. Um, we are actually putting those tickets on sale today. Um, so when you get this podcast in your feed, you will see them if you go to our website to buy them. Uh, it is a screening of Valley of the Dolls hosted by none other than Richard Knight, uh, who is uh, a, a, a big contributor to the music box. And it is going to be a, a conversation about Patty Duke's memoir, who Bill... Jedikowski uh, co-authored, as well as he will be selling the books and um, doing a talk back and be available for folks who want to have that conversation, who love Patty Duke and also might love this film. I think it's going to be a great event. It's going to be May 2nd at 7 p.m. and you can find tickets on our website now. And um, if you are a fan of this film um, or films like this, I think you should come check it out. Patty Duke, former guest of the Music Box um, for a similar event and... Uh Oscar winner and Valley of the Dolls, which of course had the sequel Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, which was, uh, I believe, the only movie written by Roger Ebert. Hey, there's a little Chicago connection. Yeah. Um, And then the other advanced notice we want to let you know about is our Mother's Day program. Now, before we get into what it is, uh, I think Julian would like to talk about what it isn't. 
Well, what it isn't is uh, a screening of a fabulous picture called Mamma Mia, which I was I approached with uh, a You're little very a little bit of skepticism, and in fact, my mother called me up and said, um, you know, could you could you and in the summer of I guess 2017, called me up and said, would I be able to set aside some tickets for her and attend the screening of Mamma Mia with her? And I said, oh God, I ran that picture when it came out. I don't know if I want to see it again, uh, but man, is that a good movie? Uh, <laughs> it is bright and colorful <laughs> and loud. The songs are catchy. And, it's like going um, on a little European vacation. And Richard Knight is a f- amazing host. He's he he gets in some little little digs at the the, the actresses and so forth. That um, um, I think they're all in in, in good spirit and really were rel- well received by much of the audience. Um, it's, it's a great time, but unfortunately, the um, upcoming sequel, Mamma Mia 2, has caused us to not be able to screen that film uh, this summer. Why um, is that? Well, the studios have this funny idea that if they're releasing a remake or a sequel or something like that, most of the time they will lock down the original, um, which to me does not make any sense because I would think... They won't having... let, let theaters like us play them exactly. because either they don't want people to see it because they don't yeah. want it to interfere with the release of the new one where people yeah. are like, oh, I don't need to see Mamma Mia 2. I already saw Mamma Mia yeah. a month ago at which the music seems, box. Which seems counterintuitive because if it's a good a good film, you would think that would just get them excited for it. Uh, I know it certainly certainly would get me excited, but Mamma Mia will be returning at some point in the near future once the sequel has been put in the can. And who knows? We may have world. a Mother's Day uh, double feature in I'd, our future. That would be most welcome. I think it's actually, from what I can tell from the trailer, it's sort of a not quite prequel sort of right. thing. It's you know, it's set a sequel prequel set after the first one takes place, but with a lot of flashbacks and things like that. I think shares in it. <laughs> I know for a fact Cher yeah. is in it because I've seen that that trailer a few times. Yeah. Cher's in it, and they made her a platinum blonde yeah, for for good, some reason. It's a good trailer. Okay, so we have not seen Mamma Mia two, and we're not officially endorsing it, but we do love Mamma Mia, and are kind of bummed that the studio decided to pull this out of release window stuff on us. So what are we showing, Buck? Um, yeah. So instead, we're going to go back to a uh, uh, an old favorite, um, another Mother's Day uh, film we've done before. Is we're going to do Mother's Day with Mommy Dearest. The uh, 1980s uh, camp classic about the life of uh, Joan Crawford, the famous film actress Joan Crawford, of uh, what happened to Baby Jane and Mildred Pierce. Um, in the 1980s, there was a, a biopic isn't the right word because that phrase seems to lend a certain amount of esteem, but basically a film about... Uh, what it was like to grow up with Joan Crawford as a mother, specifically as an awful, awful mother. Um, it's a very weird movie starring uh, Faye Dunaway um, at her most histrionic. And um, we've played it uh, for Mother's Day before, where we'll have... Uh, it's going to be hosted by Dick O'Day, um, there's going to be uh, a costume contest beforehand for Mommy Dearest-themed costumes, uh, and there's going to be prizes and a drag performance, um, and it's an interactive screening, so there will be things for you to yell out at the screen ahead, you know, during the movie. And I have to interject, I normally 
heavily, heavily object to the interactive component of, of screenings like this. But when Dick O'Day does it, there's some magic happens, mm. and I I allow myself to have fun. Yeah, he's a, he's a showman, um, and we're happy to be working with him on uh, on the screening of Mommy Dear. So, uh, and we also have a special guest David Serta playing Joan Crawford, uh, yep. and Ed Jones playing Carol Ann. So, if you come early, um, you know we're gonna have mimosas, of course, in our bar and lounge, um, but you can interact with. Um, uh, the real, well, not real. <laughs> you can interact with the Joan, with the and real Carol Ann. fake Joan Crawford <laughs> and her <laughs> daughter you. Carol Ann, um, uh, and bring your wire hangers. <laughs> no, oh, wait, wait, no, no wire hangers. Gracious. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, no wire hangers. We do not want that. Buck was joking. Uh, you can't tell. Um, and also, we really don't think this is suitable for people under the age of 17 years old. I mean, it's just going to be kind of an adult uh, Yeah, that's the of, one difference kind of with uh, Mommy Dearest and Mama Mia. Is yeah. this, is a, this is an R-rated program for your Mother's Day. Right. So if you are of age and want to bring your mother to Mommy Dearest, sure. But if you are underage and want to talk your mother into bringing you to Mommy Dearest, just wait till next year it'll be an uncomfortable experience for you if you're not yeah it'll be like when i went and i was like my mom said oh let's go see a movie and i said let's go see the new stanley kubrick and it was um eyes wide shut and then we all experienced a sexy movie yeah uh, that was very awkward. What did you think home. that was going to be? It didn't matter what I thought it was going to be. It was a younger version of me enjoying Stanley Kubrick movies and realizing that there was a new one out. Just a young cinephile. And not wanting to go see the next biopic or, ooh, interesting thriller, Lifetime-esque movie with my mother. It was more or less, well, let me choose. I want to see a Stanley Kubrick film. And Should have gone to see wow. Bowfinger or something. <laughs> was that the same year that it came It was came around out? then, I yeah. believe. Well, so. you know, it was Might an awkward interaction. After. We survived. We still go see movies together. I've gone to see um, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. <laughs> you think that's any... Well, actually, my mom actually thought that was really funny. She yeah, there laughed. you go. She had that really annoying, loud mom laugh, you know, <laughs> the way you kind of are embarrassed, but also kind of laugh along, too. Like, mm-hmm. it kind of gets you to laugh. Yeah, that that that's, that's what it is. Um, yeah, so those are some things you should check out. Mom, Mommy Dearest is, of course, playing on Mother's Day, which, on top of your head, if you don't know, it's May 13th. It'll be at 2 p.m., and you can find tickets on the website. Um, so here's a little segment I thought would be fun, a little bit of tidbits about the theater. Uh, w- let's call this one This Old Theater. Uh, and some of the work Some of that you may we... have seen This Old House on PBS. This is much better. <laughs> Maybe. Let's hope so. Um, And, uh, you know, let's talk about some of the things that we've been working on here at the theater. I mean, you know, we might talk about things we worked on in the past or things that are current. Uh, Something that we just did that the putting up the screen gave us an excuse to do was to update some of the lighting in the main auditorium. Um, You might not notice it right away when you walk in in terms of when you think of updating the lighting, but we actually put a lot of work into this. Um, I mean, Julian, do you want to talk about it at all? Yeah, sure. So so what we did is um, basically attempted to to return to some of the former grandeur of of this theater. Um, We basically have... A few different components of our house lighting. Um, you'll notice pe- people often often remark that it is very dark inside the theater, and and that is true. And and some of that is intentional. It's an atmospheric theater. The idea is you walk it's in from the outdoors and you proceed in, and then it gets darker, and you walk in, and it's this beautiful blue clouds and stars twinkling, and 
uh, it's supposed to sort of calm you down, I think. Is, it's is part and parcel of uh, being a theater from the 1930s. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's the exact opposite, I would say, of, of walking into a modern multiplex where you have usually harsh LED or fluorescent lighting on you and uh, ads blaring and stuff like that. You know, you walk in and it becomes a whole different environment. Um, of course, over, over the years, uh, all that stuff is a little difficult to maintain. Um, we have basically two two sets of lights in the theater. One is the uh, orange, what do we call the orange sunset lights, and those have been working and operational uh, for basically forever. Uh, and then we have uh, what's called a blue horizon lights, and those have been out for. Uh, well, no one can remember when they worked last. Um, I did talk to my predecessor who had worked here for seven years. This is three years ago. So at least for the last 10 years, and he can't remember them working. Yeah. So, you know, it might have been 15 years, 20 yeah. years. It's, they worked at some point. It's been we a while. Um, and what we did is when we put the screen up, we had lifts and scaffolding available to us uh, to put that up. So we went through and we had an electrician in. And we had them look at all the different circuits the lights were on and all the blue lights were replaced. Uh, so now when we run a movie, uh, if you happen to get bored and look up, you'll see a beautiful, very subtly lit blue sky uh, and twinkling lights. Well, actually, some of the lights, uh, the star lights need to be looked at now because we've discovered half of them are burnt out. But it's a, it's, it's a never-ending never struggle to get everything working. Um, but we're, we're slowly, slowly returning to getting everything up and running again. Um, and it, right now it looks really nice. Um, yeah. So basically we're bringing it back to what you would experience in 1929 and, uh, you know, it takes a lot of work and effort, but you know, we're doing it and we, we love it and just finding the time or when we can do it. Yeah. Um, or you know when we we can, we can afford it sometimes, yeah. <laughs> as we as we replaced uh, some of the orange horizon lights, we discovered that they had basically been out so long that a new dimmer was put in with not all of the lights working, uh, and was not rated high enough to to get them all on. So at the very last minute, the electrician came in and rewired everything to get get them working. So for for a while, it seemed like it wasn't going to work immediately, and. It, I'll I'll just say this, and Julian probably felt it, and so did all the rest of the stuff. I was a little stressed. I yeah. literally ran up to the theater and said, "By opening a Ready Player yeah. One, these oranges all need to work, yeah. and if they don't, um, that's just not going to be okay." So, yeah, they did figure it out, yeah. and I appreciate those guys who who put in the extra hours to make it work for us. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm excited about the new lights, and you know, lighting in theater, of course, is a thing, and we're always going to keep working on it. But those orange and those blues are back. Um, in full capacity. Um, so, yeah, hopefully you get notice it next time you're uh, visiting the music box. Um, another thing that I'm sure you all probably realized, um, well, actually, I don't know if everybody realized it. They might have realized it was gone, um, is our new marquee. Uh, I mean, Buck, did you our realize marquee, it was gone? Well, yeah, our old marquee was gone for, for quite a bit. About uh, six months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we got a new one. Um, so basically what had happened is we wanted to, you know, touch it up a little bit as, you know, we were just talking about doing something else with another part of the theater. And when we did that, we realized, oh, let's look inside and let's see what needs to happen. And we're like, oh, this needs a lot more work. Um, so we basically kind of refurbished slash renewed, rebuilt, 
um, the entirety of the uh, old marquee with able to saving a few pieces. So if you're coming by the music box and you're saying, oh, nothing looks different, I challenge you. Uh, look at the little detail on the top. Look at the detail on the little corners of the uh, ornamental pieces, and tell me if you don't notice something new. I mean, Buck, what do you what do you think? I mean, this is uh, this is this was really a big project for us. It marquee. was, and it was a it was a long time coming. It was um, something we'd wanted to do for a while. Um, of just you know, because our our previous marquee was you know had a lot of history to it, but history has a little bit of that. You know, it had a lot of wear and tear of uh, paint chipping off and there was some, you know, weird wiring stuff ahead of time, uh, or, you know, inside. And basically we were looking at the marquee and we wanted to, you know, really represent ourselves in the best way possible. And, uh, if we, if we didn't do something, something now when we could, that if we waited, it was, you know, had the potential to become, uh, become a problem. You know, we're, we're an old building and there's a lot of upkeep that needs to happen and you never want to put anything off until the last minute. And so we thought, you know, like, well, uh, you know, let's, um, let's explore creating, uh, you know, uh, a more current marquee that's, you know, still maintains the, the look and feel and of the music box, but can, uh, I don't know, sort of uh, endure for, for a long time. And I think we got that. I mean, if anybody comes to the lounge and has the time to go back behind the bar uh, toward the, um, the hallway towards the uh, garden, we have this, uh, this <laughs> out of nowhere, we found this original photo of the 1929 exterior of the theater with the, with the marquee. And uh, we somebody found it, one of our projectionists, and and of course I was like, was you need eBay, to. Wasn't it? it was on eBay. I was like, you have to buy this. And so we framed it. So if you actually look closely on this this image, you can notice all of the 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 uh, decorative ornaments. So you know, just that is showing you the sort of the. Uh, what we brought back from history and creating this new marquee and why you may not recognize it as being new or different, but it actually, there's a lot of pieces to it that are, um, and we're very excited about it and trying to, um, uh, you know, just sort of keep up the history and the legacy of the theater. Um, so yeah. And that concludes this segment of this old theater. Um, so, uh, Julian Buck, anything, uh, anything else you're excited about or been, uh, working on with the theater? Gosh, there's. <laughs> You're putting us on the I, spot. I, I it's one up, of those. I came up with a very mean joke, which is that I'm excited for this podcast to be over. <laughs> but uh, I actually, I had fun. I think it is our I, first podcast. I understand. I, I had a blast. It's, I, I will say that you did have a delicious-looking beer uh, while we were enjoying this podcast that I had never heard of before, and it's yeah, something with s'mores. Here at here at three sixteen p.m. Look at that! Mm. <laughs> hey, you know what? We we all need. It's to a have snow a day. Fun. We all get our our snow day beers. I saw a lot of people in blue having snow day beers as they walked past South Fourth <laughs> Avenue. A lot of chagrined people oh, who drove yeah. all the way down here and. Yes, probably Didn't. got here two hours early for their postponed Cubs opener. Yeah. Um, and I, again, this is not making well, fun can, or anything. I can see while, why they're drinking. If there's one thing I love more than movies, it's sports. <laughs> <laughs> and if anybody knows you more than 
how I do. You hate sports, so that's perfect. Uh, well, maybe that's a great way to close out our first ever MVP, otherwise known as Music Box Podcast. Uh, I want to thank Buck and Julian for being a part of this, and we hope to um, talk to you all next week. And sign up for our mailing list. Yeah. <laughs> See you at the movies, folks. Yeah.